and welcome back to Porsche Talk Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode and I thought what better way to start us up than start me up by the Rolling Stones. G'day Ajmal, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, it's good to see you, hear from you and the song is a great one and I'm a bit of a Rolling Stones nerd but I'm a fan and it's weird because all of their best stuff really came before my time. <laughs> um but i but i have seen them at wembley the part of the voodoo lounge tour which was the early 90s um and and they were amazing and you know when you when you go and see bands and or, i know we're gonna go straight into tons of talk about music but um i think if you if anybody follows me on instagram they saw that i went to see pulp at finsbury park in london and uh and one of my friends said to me every time you go and see one of these bands do you think is this the last time I'm going to see them? And and when you think about when I went to see the Voodoo Last Shore, I thought, is this the last time I'm going to see them? And you know, thirty years later, they're still touring. But the thing with and the funny thing is, I saw Pulp in Birmingham in 29, 29 years ago. Amazing. And they were at the Aston Village Centre, and they supported. They were a new band, and they supported Blur classic and so when you think about that it's so well it's not the last time is it but also when you think about there's been that much of a gap then you think well actually i've done quite well <laughs> now, look i'm going to take your rolling stones nerd stuff and take it to a new level okay because i am a sympathizer go, go. right the song came out in 1981 on tattoo you right yep well you yes great album cover I, I oh, is that? Uh, it was the album. One. It's the red one, but I remember the single cover. Do you oh, remember the, the cover the of the heel. single? Yeah, but is that a hairy foot? It looks, or is it, it looks like, like a gorilla in high heel or something? Stuff. I don't know what that is. I'd love to know. Hey, yeah. Mick, if you're listening to the podcast, and we we suggest you probably are, so yeah. let us know. It's probably more of a Keith thing, I reckon. Yeah, Keith's it, probably it, more it, like Goody. Right. It actually could be Keith's leg. Now the um. <laughs> In all seriousness, the great album cover, it was actually written for some girls, the previous album, in a reggae style that wasn't used, because I heard the original version. Oh, I, I did not know that, because I know it was written in the about three years before it was released. Yes, yes, so that was for the previous album, and it didn't make the cut, but back then it wasn't called Start Me Up, the lyrics were Start It Up. Oh! Mm, so, that was pretty interesting, and... Probably where a lot of people who weren't Rolling Stones fans really heard it was in the Microsoft Windows ninety five launch. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. Or yes. After that, two thousand and twelve for the Omega Olympics ad. Yep, classic. The, uh, oh, the it's a well used. I'll tell you something interesting. Last top ten song in the UK for the Rolling Stones. No way. Yep. And it only, reached, gets number one, it I'm only sure. reached number seven. That was the last time they hit the top ten in a, with a single. And uh, and typical of English people, you don't support your own, right? So, you know, they just did not. Right, don't make it racist. Don't make it racist. They, did, they, they just don't crack it. They just never really cracked it there like they do everywhere else in the States, Australia, Asia, right? It spent like 13 weeks in the top ten in the U.S., that song, and they only got to number seven in the UK. Anyway, it's no, and 
And even well, the thing better, is, it's even better. Hang on, top five programmed music video of all time on MTV, and it only reached what? number no. seven in the singles chart in the UK. Well, I I know it was um, because it was the first time they let company use the Microsoft thing. It was the first time that a company used some of their music, but also it's kind of I mean, eighty one is a little bit before my time, but when they because their their heyday had already been right. They they well that that was they were still that was perceived to be the case at a global level. This was the this was, album was the one that really introduced them to the rest of the world outside of rock and roll aficionados. This is where they re, this album was their first real mainstream pop. Even though it's still yeah, rock, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but. It, it didn't have the big classic songs which came way before, which was, you know, Satisfaction and that were dis- Off My Cloud. And that were discovered after the event when all these albums black. sold again, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, you know, like, anyway, I, th- I find it incredibly uh, soothing for the soul to listen to old Rolling Stones. It sort of brings <laughs> a smile. You can't listen to it and not smile and think about, you know, the world's oldest vegan dancing like a fool, right? So the... Um... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, look, it's... You mentioned you saw him at in that uh, video lens. I've seen him three times, and if they came oh, out, wow. if they toured again, I would go and see him again because you know what? I have this amazingly high expectation that they will be good, and every time I've seen them, they've been better than I expected. Yeah, I I, get, I completely get that because when I saw them, and I just thought, you know, thirty years ago, oh, you know, I'm, they can't they can't be as good as you know everyone's raved about, but. Um, but they're just no encore, and you know they've got so much stuff. And if you, if anyone wants to get into them or something, they can just go and get um, what's the greatest album? Hot Rocks. Hot Rocks. Yep. Is it? I think that's that's the double CD. One, yep, one and two. Just get that. Yeah, listen to that mm-hmm. and some of their greatest songs. But they don't they don't do encores. There's no breaks. Oh, they went encore straight the last through. Oh, that that but that Voodoo Lounge, they didn't, and I was I was amazed that they just kept going and going and going and going. Um, yeah, it was awesome. In the uh, in the model of Bruce Springsteen's modern concerts, which seem to go for, you know, sunrise to sunset. Yeah, because in in London there's a strict curfew, ah. and uh, they they got cut. Bruce Springsteen got cut off because they cut the power at a certain time. <laughs> Bless it. Because in London, you're you're so close to residential places everywhere. And the same thing happened to, I think, Lana Del Rey at Glastonbury. And, you know, Elton John played Glastonbury. And when when you when someone does a playlist and goes, I want to put some classic music on there, no one ever thinks of, you know, Elton John. But then you hear Elton John and you go, it's, it's you know, hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. After hit, yeah. Um, right. So you... Well, he was 130 years I don't know why. Right? I know. And, I mean, that was his last... I think he's just finished his last tour, I guess, he's, is what he said. Yeah, I think, uh, it'll, but I think it'll he's on his financial situation in a couple of years. No, he's got to be a bazillionaire by now, surely. Yeah, look, some people live outside their means, no matter how big that number is. Uh, yeah, I, I get that, even though I don't have the big number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've spent nearly eight minutes talking music. Let's talk Porsche, because there's been a lot of Porsche action happening in our lives and out in the media since our last podcast. Yes. Yes, um, I, I'm gonna have to talk about the. I'm gonna have to talk about the singer. 
good. The the six the DLS five the new turbo. DLS turbo. Yeah, yeah. I just want to yeah. go. I just Can want I, to go on the it, record about this car before you start anything. It, it might be peak nine eleven for me. Really? Yeah. Like those, that era, the 635E era, you know, where they had to come back to designing cars that look like, you know, their, their Le Mans cars had to look like their road cars because they changed the rules, you know, so they had to use a 911 essentially yeah. to make the car competitive or beat to be actually go racing. And Moby Dick. What that's say? Norbert Singer. It's Norbert Singer, isn't it? Norbert it is, Singer? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but the... Is it what, 935, 934, is that? Yep, that's correct, yep. Yeah, um, and, and the thing I've always thought about that, and I'm not a, a, a massive sort of nerd about that era of car, but I've always thought about it is when you look at it from the back, it's like a 911 drove into a body kit. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And, <laughs> and when, they, when they show it from the top, it's like a 911 reversed into a body kit. <laughs> so I, I think the GT1 has, the GT1 has the same look. You know, yeah. it looks like it's, ex it's exactly the same. In the middle there somewhere, there's an original 911, but we better add all this other shit on the outside of it to make it work like a race car. But the, but the crazy thing is when you look at it, and, you know, I've seen the photos. Uh, obviously, there's no videos or anything. But when you look at the back, and they've taken a 964, made it look like a kind of G-body car, then stuck it in a 934 kit, and you just think, well, no, not stuck. There's nothing. They don't do anything where you've turned something into something. And, and although this reimagining thing is just massively overused, that term, but they but they do rebuild it ground up, and everyone don't, always says, don't they? It How is much their of it is word, Porsche? though, isn't it? Isn't it like the cars are called Porsche reimagined by Singer? That is literally that. Like they started the reimagined thing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or, yeah, which is why everybody now uses it, don't uh, they? Yeah. Everybody says whenever whenever someone's you know. Um, brutalized and and murdered a 964 they, they always say it's uh it's reimagined. a reimagined one but but my my problem with it is they've they, there's this trend of backdating 964 964s were the readily available air-cooled almost affordable 911 that was still look cool drove kind of okay Probably, if you went crazy, it would kill you because it's too it's fast and it doesn't have all the driver aids or any of the driver aids. But it was it was available, and I and I always planned. I thought I'd get one at some point. I'd have one because it's slim bodied, it's really compact. Um, but no, they they they're scarce, and the prices have just gone up now. It's nuts. I, you know, that this is talked about a lot about nine six fours about availability of the car, but there's plenty of them out there still, Ajmal. Like they, you know, there's all that talk of oh, Singer of buying up all the stock for future customer builds, all this sort of stuff, right? You hear it all the time in Porsche media, or you know, speculating and all that sort of thing. But the, the brutal facts are, if you want to actually buy a 964, sure, they're not cheap, but you know what? They're not like double the price of a 993. You know, it's they're they're in a they're about the same money still. And look, technically, a 993 is a better car by just about every metric you can measure it. Mm. Well, sure. Looks aside, but when the 964 came out, people wondered how, why they design a car whose ass is dragging on the ground. You know, so it's, you know, at, that whole aesthetic is a, whatever works for you works for you. So it's not really a, a thing in my mind anyway. But the cars, they're not, 
as scarce as they made out to be, I don't think, because I, people still import them Australia from the UK. You know, so when they buy them secondhand, so they can't be off the Richter scale too bad. And they're not, they're not that expensive compared to recent pricing of 911s, late air-cooled 911s. That's my observation and opinion. See, over here, there, maybe five years ago, four years ago, you could, they were really, really affordable. And so was every 911. No, I did, but yeah, but that's a short space of time for that particular model for it to go stratospheric in, in relative terms. So everything's gone up a bit, right? But that has gone from being, you know, for 35 grand, you could probably get a decent one to 70, 80, 90. And then you just think, oh, it's, you know, why, why would you, if you're going to spend that much money, then it, it's the same with, you know, some of the, some of the other cars where they get up to that price. You just go, why, why don't I just get a classic? Why don't I just get one that, whereas a, a, a nice is probably having it in the middle of, or on the way up, it's having its moment, just like they all do. Yep. Uh, but then, you know, you start, everyone starts looking at everything else, you know, and, and the thing that came up, uh, I was chatting to somebody and they said, oh, well, maybe I should just get myself a 993 convertible Tiptronic. And which is where the whole thing about, you know, yeah. turning it into a <laughs> camera, uh, no, Targa came up. Yep. And I just thought, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Look, but you can buy 964 convertibles and turn them into Targas. That'd be amazing. Or just buy a 964 Targa because that's literally... The last of the tigers yeah true the but ones, yes that aside the in the scheme of the car's value i don't think it's the same customer you know when you said oh the 80 90 grand now or whatever the number was i think you said yeah 70, 80, 80, true. i can't remember right yeah i don't think someone's going i've got 80 grand to spend i want to buy a porsche what will i buy you know a nice 991 or a 964. That's not the, that's not a decision people are making. I bet you two-thirds of people that's who got 964s actually have a 991. Yeah, I, that's true. I don't reckon there's a that lot of only 964, only Porsche 964 owners. I don't, in this day and age, I don't think so there would be. Listeners out there, prove me wrong. Um, mm -hmm. Let us know. Do you only have a 964 as your only Porsche? I'd be very curious to know. But back to the singer yeah. side of things, with the, you know, car wrapped in a car... The styling, I just love looking at it from behind and observing that the where the wheels actually sit now are completely holeless bowls outside that narrow body. Yeah. <laughs> the suspension yeah. work that's gone on there must be extraordinary, mustn't it? But just think about how far outside of the exhaust back boxes sit because the exhaust comes out the side behind yeah, the yeah. rear wheel it looks amazing that's a and beautiful the exhaust back finish isn't it the way they've done that that detail is stunning it's so slick and then but then you go well hang on that bo back box to that exhaust must sit outside the old 964 body yeah completely as well yeah so it's but it's how about the fact that it's what's it punching out 700 horsepower or something like that did i read as an air-cooled turbo that what is say, yeah. horrifying it is, and it's they've made two versions of they track and road, road yep. um, both which I, I can't remember what the difference is apart car. from the four. That road car one, that yeah, that, I think Moe Silver or something they called. I can't remember Shandon or something like some yep. champagne reference to that. But geez, my goodness, yeah. they photographed beautifully that color, in my opinion, anyway. 
And I wonder how it'd look when you have to, if you ever actually see it in person, which I don't think I ever will. I think you might. You're not going to Goodwood? Uh, Is that this weekend? Yeah, it's this weekend. I, my wife is away, so I am a primary parent. Yeah, kids love cars. I know, I thought about, could I take them for the whole day? Uh, no, look, you board. don't necessarily have to go for the whole day, you just have to go and have a look at the singer and report back to us. Yeah, that is true, that is true. Uh, I'd, I'll have to check if the tickets are available. Uh, and I should have gone tomorrow, but I'm working tomorrow. Yeah, okay. The Yes, anyway, I think another home run by the brand, in my opinion. I don't, nothing they've put out is a turd. It might be, no, it might right. be polarizing, but it's not a turd. And even if it is a turd, it's, not, yep. it's, it's, it's a solid gold one. It's not just a turd rolled in glitter. It is seriously quality outcomes like the the details of the interior everything but there's been plenty talked about about this car in across all social media and conventional media so i want to talk about a polarizing car that porsche released in the last couple of days the 357 speeds the concept oh um yes so was that recent was it that recent well i got the email about two days ago three days ago something like that it was. It's, you're googling. Well, and and what? What? Did, I am. I am. What, what was? Um, what was your first impression of it? Vomit in my mouth. <laughs> and this is coming from a in, speedster in, in, sympathizer. In, in, and when I say speedster, I'm talking proper speedster, not 911 speedster, right? So. Well, the, it's, yeah, it, it's an exercise it's... in styling from someone that lacks style. Is the only way I can describe my gut instinct as soon as I saw it. I'd love to hear from the listeners. What does well, everyone my, think about it? Well, my, my first impression of it was, and no one shoot me for this, um, do you remember where someone turned uh, a Boxster into, into what looked like a pizza? Yeah, and, and it instantly, that's the first thing that came into my mind. Go, oh, what's someone done here? Well, it looks like when it's it on a Boxster yeah, exactly. It does, and it, and it has that kind of, you know, if you if you squint, <laughs> it kind of looks like a boxster, an evolution of a boxster. Um, and and it, I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't say the brand is losing its way because at its core, it's still doing great stuff. You know, the GT3 RS, the GT3, or you know, the the base 911, all of that stuff is still great, apart from being a bit big. But you know, when they go a bit sort of off the menu. And they throw something like that out there, and sometimes I think, "Oh, what were you thinking there?" I want to talk and, about you know, what's happening with the Mission X. Let, I don't know. Let's let's talk about off the menu, because off the menu historically has gone okay for them. I want to talk nine five nine. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Carrera GT. Yep. Nine eighteen Spider. Yes. Yeah, the, these examples are pretty extraordinary off the menu cars. Nine two eight off the menu, yeah, but my goodness, what a uh, masterpiece that was! Yep, and, and especially the uh, and especially the one point three million pound nine nine six that Jerry Seinfeld just bought. Yeah. Oh no, that's not off menu. That's one of those. It, was that one of those wishes? Sonderwunsch. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those? It is, yep. But it's basically a brand new GT3 wrapped in a 996 body would be the easiest way to describe that car. Yeah, so I, th- I, it's almost like it's someone saying, make me that, that same car from that period, but using today's technology. It's exactly what that car is. And you know what? It's not, it, um, it probably costs them $5 million to make. Yeah. Because it's one of them. You know? it, um, did, um, did Jerry Seinfeld buy it? He bought it at auction, didn't he? He did. The, the car was built for Porsche Cars of America for the 75th anniversary, if I remember, something like that. So Porsche Cars of America, um, it might be Porsche Club of America. I think it might be the Porsche Ooh. Club. Right, anyway, they uh, commissioned the car to be built for auction for charity. Oh. So with obviously with the financial support from Porsche going into it. So I, I don't know the details, financial details prior to Jerry's cash splash on the thing. But, yeah, I'd love a close look and see. And like, let's face it, as a 996 owner, you would love to drive to see what they could do today with that, wouldn't you? Oh, God, yeah. Obviously, you know, mine, mine is amazing and yeah. best car ever. Hard to tell the difference um, between them. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but it would be amazing just to be able to experience what it what it could be. Yes. Um, but I, at the same time, I just, you know, the amount of people who messaged me and said, oh, the price of your 996 just went up. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. They, they, you know, anything, everybody thinks, who owns, everyone who owns a 996 who's thinking the price of mine has gone up or the price of theirs has gone up. A ones has gone up. No, it hasn't. What I in the, fact the two are just aren't the same. <laughs> when when I when I hear like I had a lot of people reach out to me about the same the same thing, right? And uh all I could think was, if anything, this is showing how bad other nine nine sixes are because of how good this is. So I think it might actually devalue the average nine nine six. Because the expectation level well, yeah, of standards cause... would be now, you know, up above your head compared to uh, what you had before of a nine nine six. Yeah, because everyone talks about the 996 and how it's a bargain and it's a great car. And, and you know, when people still talk about, well, it was, you know, it's such a departure from the 993, but, you know, everything else is an evolution of that 996. And everything else is, you know, liquid cooled and everything else is kind of, you know, an evolution of that platform. So, yes, you can say they didn't like the headlights. Oh, it was the same as the Boxster at the front. But it's still a 911, and um, but the pro- I don't think it's ever unless you you know obviously the price of a one-off that might be in immaculate condition with low mileage. Yes, that would be worth a lot of money. But the average one that's been beaten like mine, that's tons of mileage on it. They're just always going to be worth what they're worth now. I don't I I don't they're think not, they're they're ever going to someone's going to go. They? Oh, he's having its moment. Yeah, exactly. You know, in in fifty years, Singer might do a, a reimagined version of one. <laughs> But that's not going to push the prices of your day-to-day ones up. The uh, yeah, look, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's just too high a volume production. That's all it comes down to. Mm-hmm. On, Definitely, on, it, on was, new it was car- one of on, the first ones. There's so many still around. While we're talking new cars, I actually, oh yeah, well, I'll keep going on this new car topic on things to talk about here. Heard of? There's been a couple of GD4 RSs sell here in Australia. At under list price at auction. Oh, 
And were you tempted thinking I'll get one? No. But what what I found fascinating is here in Australia, more so than anywhere else in the world, the gap between GD3 and GD4RS is wide. It, it's mm-hmm. wide at retail, wider than everywhere else at retail, and it's widening after sale. The GT4 is coming down. Yes, yes. Like the last one that sold at auction here on a public auction platform, I might have been collecting cars off memory. The um, sold for more than ten percent below original retail price. Whereas everywhere you hear about GD four RSs, you're paying over to still be able to get hold of one because of the number of people are still waiting for them, right? So it's still it's still. Only a few months. It would be only a few months old, and it'll have minimal mileage, right? I think it had in yeah. kilometres off memory under a hundred kilometres on it. The car's brand new. Oh wow! Right, it's old under. Yes, and look, but at new when they're brand new, there's a twenty four percent gap in price here in Australia between those two cars. The night the GD three is dearer, twenty four percent dearer. In the UK, the same two cars, same spec, is only 18% dearer for a GD3. And in the States, it's only 14% dearer. Oh, wow. On the used market, I'm talking cars that are sold, not cars that are for sale. Sold cars. In the UK, the last two cars I could find on auctions that sold, they're the same price. They're within um, £3,000 of each other. Here in Australia, Ooh. the gap is $140,000 between the two. Whoa! And in the That's state, huge! And in the States, the, the, the most recent sales of GD4 RS and GD3, a GD4 RS is actually $33,000 dearer than a GD3 992. So in the States, the GD4 no. RSs are actually higher value in the used market than the GD3. In Australia, the GD3s are higher in the used market. This is a fascinating situation of 911 snobbery in Australia is far greater than anywhere else. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, because the, the thing is, the GT4 RS, I don't know. Because I always thought, you know, because they've done it in a way that it can't be faster than a GT3, um, you know, and you can't have that which is the baby brother of the 911, surpassing it. Um, and then I didn't see a massive clamour for it. You know when people start ordering them and they appear all over um, well, they appeared they appear over, all over social media? <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, look, it's fascinating information. Like in the States, GD4 RS has gold-plated. And it's because of their size. I've, I've reached out to a couple of um, people who I know have bought GD4 RSs in the States, and they all bought them because you can actually drive the car inside the lane. Mm. Right, and that's the appeal, and it's more dynamic and it is far more flexible on the road as a car, as an enthusiast ripping through the canyons type car, than the GD3, because GD3 is physically on the white lines on either side of the car because of its size. Because the roads haven't gotten bigger. Yeah. Then they, they um, 
the 992, I think, it's got to be peak in size now. It can't get any bigger, can it? Well, the GD4 RS, or just GD4, since the 981, so the one I have, it's almost the same dimensions as the 996 Carrera 2. Oh, wow. Except the wheelbase is longer, you know, because the engine's in the middle, not out the back. The, um, yeah. Yeah, so in physical size and mass, they're actually, you know, almost identical to a 996. Hmm. See, I don't... And obviously, you know, nobody really... Does anybody really care about the back seats? Because the GT3, does it come with back seats? It does, doesn't it? I'm glad you brought that up. Good question. No, you cannot get G GT3 with back seats, but you have been able to get it in one model as an option, and that was a 997.2, of which... I thought people could fit them. Oh, no, you can't. The body actually requires modification, as well as the fact... Oh, my God. ...the cars are um, homologated as two-seat cars, so you then have to get your changes done through your government authority to get your car legalised to have the seats added. And that's oh, been right. the case for all of them except for that 997.2. And there's actually... They only brought three of them into Australia. So only three people ever optioned the back seats. And there's one for sale right now here in Australia. And it's a plum. Like, it's a beautiful-looking car. Low Ks. I can't remember it? the exact number, but it was... But they want five hundred thousand dollars australian for it yeah to give you some to give you an idea five hundred thousand dollars australian for that car a, a good equivalent gd3 without the back seats here in australia is probably close to a 280 to three hundred thousand dollar car so it's only, they, they reckon those seats are worth about 50 grand a pop <laughs> <laughs> that's mad that is mad. I, I think the I thought the pricing was coming down because obviously the world's going through oh, no, a whole lot of shit at the moment. All right, okay. So you could haggle that down. Which leads me into asking price versus sell price in cars in general, right? I was speaking to a broker yeah. who asked me to assess a speedster that recently came into Perth for originality and uh, is a 57 speedster. 56, 57 production, 56, you know, um, MY56, but a 57 delivered car that recently came into Perth. It was a US delivered car. And he asked me to just go over the originality and we're talking about cars because he, he's a uh, classic car broker. He's been doing it for 30 plus years. So he's a, a very experienced guy. He's very knowledgeable on a lot of different marks and this has been his sole source of income for over 30 years, so he knows what he's doing. He said, on average, the difference between asking price and sell price, the gap is bigger nowhere in the world than the UK. No. That's what he said. Are we, are we a nation of haggling? I think ambitious sellers, but willing to drop your pants when asked. Oh, wow. Like, oh, on, I'm, I'm shocked at that. In the classics, right? In the classics um, cars that he deals in, on average between 24 and 28% is a difference between asking price and sell price. Whoa. That's a big number, isn't it? Wow. That's his experience. That is a big number. And he said the worst culprits are Jaguar owners. 
Yeah, uh, that 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 makes sense though. That makes sense. It's like saying you know, for like all three Maserati of you out there listening, yeah, if any of you own a Jag, sorry, but um, but in the in the states, the difference is only like eight percent. Here in Australia, it's like five percent. So that's how big the gap is for the UK on their asking price versus their mm-hmm. sell price. Wow, because I'm I'm yeah, I guess. I've done it before where I've just sold a car because I couldn't, I just wanted rid of it. And yes, I've just thought, told us, yeah. someone comes to see it, I don't care. They just need to offer me some money and take it away. But, um, but at the same time, I guess I'm, I'm, I, I haggle when, um, when I'm buying. And it's kind of served me well mostly, apart from when I bought our family wagon, which is the Audi, but that was like, you know, £2,000. And you needed a car that day. Uh, and I needed a car that day, but the guy just wouldn't budge. He was just stood right in front of me, and he was just... At one point, I thought he was going to say that he didn't speak English, even though he said, hello, how you doing? Here's the car. <laughs> just so he wouldn't have to haggle. I thought he was gonna, about to claim that he doesn't speak English. But um, but most of the time, you know, you can get a little bit off, but there's always been that. Garages, that because there's those garages who make such a small margin you know they go and buy a car at auction give it the once over polish it it's listed before they get it home yeah yeah and then they're making such a small margin they rely on the high turnover sure so you can turn up and go i've got you know cash in my pocket or, or although cash is no longer king um and and they just won't budge yeah, yeah. so i don't know i don't know i mean i'm i'm, I'm surprised that it's we're top for that you know moving away from the asking price to the actual sell price but um i thought it'd be bigger in the us i don't know why yeah i don't know the did you see that 912 soft window targa that rent has got brian at rent has got for sale at the moment the white one yes yeah i've seen it yeah have you seen it i think i've seen that i've backed i think i have yeah it looks it looks like a new car Mate, the thing is stunning. It is, but I don't like soft windows. It isn't uh, I don't want the soft window. I wouldn't want the soft window. This is ironic, considering you want to turn a convertible something into a Targa, right? That you don't like the soft window. But, <laughs> but it's but it's just the fact that it's a, a Targa. But then, if you if you if you open the soft window, you've still got that bar there. So you know you the only difference it, is you get it's a bit of a breeze. You can't see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but. And you've got the because I've driven a Targa, a nine eleven Targa from seventy mm. three. Yeah, yeah. And um, but the soft window, and and there's also the thing about you know the soft window it, because you're folding it down and it goes it goes it's it's you know domed or curved, mm. and then you know it's going to take shit in no time, isn't it? Like, <laughs> no, it won't, Ashmal, because it's not a Mazda MX five. Okay, the um. It, like, it will. Look, in 30 years it might, but you know what? In the time that you're, you or I will have it, it'll be okay. Because, you know, the chance of that being left parked in the street are a lot lower than the Mazda X5. That is true. That is true. Or even getting driven in the rain. Have you, that is true. Have you ever driven a, an MX-5 or a, what's it called in Miata. the US, a Miata? Yeah, yeah, I've driven quite a number. Yeah. I've driven, I, I haven't driven the current generation, but I've driven the previous, a lot of the previous ones. Like the NA, the NB, the NCs, you know. Oh, so the you've driven the one with the pop-up lights. Yeah, yeah, the NA, yeah. my favourite because it's so little. Yeah. It's like a mini, but with 
Mazda badges and it actually starts and doesn't smell like petrol. Yeah, but then then it's you know then it's not mini. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I didn't finish the, on the nine twelve. I want to keep uh, going on that for a sec. So go on, hit me. Well, firstly, I do like the soft window target because it is so unique and oddball, and you just don't ever see a soft window target on the road. Like I don't think I've ever seen one getting driven. I've not seen one apart from that rent. And I think other than yours. This could be the nicest one I've ever seen. 912. Mine's not that. Which is, which is, what? What do you mean it's not? Which my, let's leave, this is my segue into you telling us how much work you've done recently on your 912. Well, the you've fact still that got the thing I'm up in your study, you, you still got the 123, don't you? The, <laughs> the is still here next to me. <laughs> and I haven't seen it yet this year so we're what in mid-july it is the 13th of july today and uh and i haven't seen it since maybe september october last year i think we're gonna go a year no i reckon we'll go 10 months in total i don't well, I, you know what before you know it your summer's going to be done you go i don't want to really drive it in the wet mark because of the salted roads I know, but 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 yeah. the the garage build. I don't want to segue into something else. Yeah, sure, sure. But you know, when the, when the garage is up, when the garage is up, it'll be at home. So even if you know, it's autumn, I'll be able to take it out because it's at home. But the garage build is is a month behind schedule. Ah, uh, that's disappointing. Yeah, because the uh, builder was unable to start, and then he was supposed to start today. But he's had another issue, so Monday is the start date. And then in between that, we're going on holidays to Italy where temperatures are going to like 40, 48 degrees. So I'll probably just, you know, melt. Um, and then when we come back, so the groundwork should be done when we come back. The building goes up in a matter of days. And then, you know, I should be able to go and do the floor, like you said, and then get the car in. I would suggest... I'm predicting the future here, everyone. For the and look, I can because I am literally in the future. It's because it's the fourteenth of of July where I am. That that you are not going to deliver the outcomes in your shed because you won't have lighting in there yet. And once the roof goes on, it'll be too dark in there to do anything. That's my call. Um. Mm. Then it's winter. Oh, it's too cold out there. I can't do it. Yeah. That, that's true. I can't even use candles because obviously the smell of petrol will blow up. Um, so but there's, the... there's my prediction of the future, everyone. You heard it here first. So when you hear this repeated on the podcast and we get to three years with the 912 still not getting into the shed, we'll all know why. No, I reckon I'm going I'm to make a bold prediction. Oh, good. Yes, by the yes, end of those. August, yes. by the end of August, it's going to be in there. And... I'll have got the exhaust tips done on my 996. Don't know about that one. It's going to happen you, because... You've got to do the Gundo mod. If you're going to get someone to weld them up, do the Gundo mod on them. No, no, it's not. It's, it doesn't need welding up. It just they, it just needs the clamps to clamp them on. It's just the, the clamp thing, broke. It's so broken it off at the muffler face. I can guarantee you. That they, they don't sit no, like that with I've, just I've, clamps. Look. No, I've been under it. You know, the... Um, the tips 
Yes. They um the pea they, they go round under the bumper and yeah, and then they have um they have a, a clamp with a a, a ring inside. Oh, that's rotated, one of the, that clamp break. Uh no, it the the clamp snapped when it hit the floor. Got it. And it kinda held it on, but I forgot and I drove it one more time and, and it off. fell off. Hmm. Yeah, and so and and the the proper actual nine nine six tips with the chrome surround on yes you know the oval shaped ones the good i've got ones. those and and it would just i just need to, to clamp them in oh my goodness. so i need some new, new clamps do it but i have I, I i'm always saying it whispering um in in a whispering hushed tone but i've still been using it without the exhaust tip and every time i go somewhere i go and check that the bumper hasn't melted through or isn't on fire because obviously <laughs> <laughs> the exhaust gases are coming out behind the bumper oh man talking about the one two three ignition that you haven't installed yet got some updates yeah. on what's happened with uh my ignition and carburetion in the uh three five six okay so remind us where you were with it last time we spoke you i think i'd finish some work. reassembling the carbs had i Yes, that yeah, was it. Yeah. yeah. Since then, oh, the car's running very well. The ignition isn't retarding as quickly as I'd like. Now, for those listeners out there who want to get an understanding of it, you know, because there's always a first-time listener, I've got wet Idea 40 Webers on the 356. I'm running the vacuum outlet into a vacuum advance on the 123. I have been advised by the Australian 123 that don't do it. Plug up your plug up your uh, vacuum outlet of your Webers and don't run the vacuum advance and that'll retard quicker. So I haven't had I haven't done that because the car's actually been away. But I'll come back to that in a sec. Um, I'm also so this weekend I'm heading up north. So next week during the week I'm planning on fixing that problem. And also making a modification to the Webers, which for a well-known problem on Webers, and that is the breather holes for the idle circuit clog up quite easily on Webers. So it doesn't idle as nice as mm. it should. So there's a an aftermarket mod called Idle Doctor, but I'm not going to buy that. I'm actually going to make it myself. Got a brass tubing I bought from a um, from a hobby shop yesterday. So from the advice of a local Volkswagen specialist who's done this a hundred times, he said, look, Mark, don't go and spend $50 US on two, on four tubes of brass, but you've still got to drill in yourself. Do it, do it, do the whole thing yourself. So I'm going to have a crack at that next week. Now, are you telling me a Volkswagen specialist can work on a 356 engine? Oh, no, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's shocking. He's actually, he's, it's because he's a Weber guru. More so than he's a Volkswagen specialist. But yes, surprisingly, the cars are very similar. And um, the he actually owns a 356, quite a nice one. It's going through a full restoration, body restoration Ooh. at the moment. But yes, I've got that happening, got the ignition happening. And the reason the car's been away is it's been in storage because my wife's Audi Q3 stopped in the middle of an intersection a couple of a uh, week ago. Like literally just stopped. For those listeners out there, oh, it's God. nine months old, Audi Q3. And comes up with a warning light on the dash. Gearbox malfunction. Car won't even. Is bump. it a DSG? Oh, S Tronic or 
something like that. It's the it's a it's the automatic yeah. gearbox. You can't get a Q3 in a manual. Yeah. The um the gearbox that Volkswagen is probably on a thousand models, right? So yeah. it pulls the Audi Center because the car's you know not very old at all, and they come pick it up with a flatbed, take it to the Audi Center. Day later they call to say. Yeah, look, we've got to, We've had to order a new gearbox and transfer case from the from Germany. It's going to be six to eight weeks, right? Wow. <laughs> okay, my goodness. Look, this is not going to be a cheap warranty fix. And um, they said, "Oh, if you come around, if you come around on Monday, this is on a Friday. Come over on Monday. We'll have a car for you to use in that time. If you have a brand new Audi um, A3 sedan to use as a replacement car, which." A sedan? That's the ugliest sin, that one. Yeah, but you know what? It's better than not being given anything. Or given a flogged 180,000k, um, you know, Audi of A3. A4 that's been an ex-company um, car from someone that's been traded in as our loaner that stinks like ball sweat, you know, so the... Um, <laughs> and spilt burgers. So, yeah, it was. I thought it was a, you know, it's as good an outcome as we can hope for. That, that well... So anyway, wow. that's why I didn't have that's... the three, five, six ounce, but I had to pick it up yesterday because a dear friend of mine sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. And um, oh, no. there's a, well, I was asked with a group of others um, from the other car clubs he was part of as well to be part of his cortege to, for his funeral. So... Oh wow! Yeah, so that was yesterday afternoon. So the um, the De Silva family, Chris and Tony. Tony was sadly the gentleman that passed away. He was um, they're very avid classic car enthusiasts here in WA and have a very eclectic and quality car collection. So, of which Porsche was mm. one of several marks in there. You know, he's got a pro- he had a problem with Ferraris too, and Astons. <laughs> He's actually got a really oddball car that I know you would be all over. Morgan Aero 8. No. Yeah. I, th- I don't know how I feel about Morgans. Sometimes I think, yes. Sometimes I think, why am I dri- Why would I be driving around in a wooden car? But what about the Aero 8? You know, it's like, yeah, I know. It's like a well, spaceship well, that was designed in the 60s, but they didn't build till the 90s or 2000s. <laughs> Well, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, when back then they used to think what the cars of the future look like. Yes, yes. Um, it, it does because that was back then. But then you look got, about it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then, but then you go to, you go to the eighties, early eighties, late seventies, and and their vision of the future was a bit more kind of Mad Max. And then you go, you know, and and then when I see a Polestar. You know, when I see a Polestar, yeah. a black one, driving down the motorway, and I always think, I bet that's what they thought the cars of the future would look like in the 80s, and they were right. Look, I just, I can't even comprehend the fact. Oh, look, for your market, I get it. And when Europe and UK, you guys still think a sedan's an acceptable motor car to buy, right? And, you know, for practicality, yeah. it probably is. But the real, the brutal facts of the world today is time's just passing those vehicles by. We're all headed towards oh, that new car. Ones, you mean new? Yeah, brand new sedans are just a thing that just—I yeah. don't know—they just they're becoming well, a rare breed. They are, but BMWs. 
Yeah, and BMWs. Alpina. Yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna stay, but um, but I think the I don't know why. Do you know what's just popped into my head? Tell me. It's uh, an eighties show called. I, I don't you know. I don't know if you're gonna remember it. I don't know if it was a thing in Australia. Auto Man. Don't know it. Never heard of it. I don't remember a show called, I think, Desi Arnaz. I think Desi Arnaz was in it. And he creates, uh, sometimes I think, did I make these up? But, you know, when, when no, one, no one can remember it. <laughs> he creates like a, a, a being, a, a person out of a computer program mm -hmm. in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, he almost has a little helper with him. And the helper is called Cursor. And it's this little, Sure. dot that flies around yeah, yeah and what he does is he creates this the guy's got this luminous kind of tron style suit on mm -hmm. and his car is created by this cursor and it is drives drive, like it's on rails is he driving around in an 8-bit graphic <laughs> no but it looks it looks a bit like a tron, bit tron like yeah okay i think and the way it goes around corners it's literally like a computer program and then around you know, one of us, one of us is, uh, of course, need to come back and tell me. I'll, I'll watch it and check whether it out. they've, um, do it. Hey, um, I last weekend had a boys weekend down south at a racetrack. Oh, I did see that. You took the GC4. Yes. New track to me. And did it survive? The track's been changed since I was last there. I was last there in the uh, 90s at this track, and it was much shorter then. There's actually two track configurations. There's the original short track, and they've extended it and made a long track. So I'd never been on a long track before. And the short track I'd only ever been on a motorcycle. I'd never driven a car on it. So it was... Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, but before... Yeah, yeah but... It kind of was like a quarter of a century ago, so you know. You're right. It was I, I'd, I'd be okay. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd find that acceptable if you went. I couldn't remember it really because it was such a long time ago. <laughs> no, I remember the short track, the direction it goes, and I remember where the corners are and what the corners are like. But riding them on a motorcycle is very different to driving them on a motor car, Ajma. I could imagine. <laughs> right, and um, but anyway, the long track which I'd never driven on before. Great track. Um, I was quite, I didn't get a sighting lap. My group that went out first as part of the speed series event that I'm entered in this year, I was put on. I said to them, "I want to go on the back. I've never driven here before." Right? And they go, "Oh no, your category. You you should be the second person in your group." And I'm going, "I'm not going to be the second person in the group. Put me on the back," which is just as well because my first five or six laps were. A, a lot further away in time than my car and ability should reflect. You know, because <laughs> I'm learning the track, obviously. And uh, yeah, I got, yeah, had a great day driving on the, um, so that was on Saturday and the long track, and then Sunday was the short track. I did two sessions on the short track, one practice session and one time session. And on the second time session, it really all got untidy. I think my tyres are no longer track suitable. I turned oh, no. it into a, I, I, I turned into a drift session. Was it? Um, 
did you change tyres when you got there, no. or were they no. the ones that you drove? Yeah, I just your used ones? same tyres I've had on the car since I bought the car. And now they need changing. Uh, look, there's there's plenty of tread on them still. They're just not good. There's no, there's no more heat cycles left in them for the track. All right. Okay. So I'll continue to drive them on the road. Look, they're according to the date, they're four year old Michelin PS four S's, right? So. They're at the end of their lifespan anyway, at four years old. So I've, I've, I do have to replace them regardless. And I'm in mm. a fortunate situation where my sister works in the automotive tyre in, industry. So as a result, oh. I will um, probably... She suggested I should replace them with Pirellis. She reckons the Pirellis are a, a better road tyre than the Michelin. I was going to say, you've got non-N-rated... I know. Tires on your no, Porsche? I haven't got them on there yet, and Pirelli do make N-rated tyres. Uh, no, the Pirelli do. I mean, your Michelins. No, they're N-rated as well. But they, they, they're not Porsche-approved, though. Porsche-approved yes. Yeah, Porsche Pirelli. Approved. Yeah, no, Porsche-approved, Michelin. They, I'll tell you what, which are approved for um, are all N-rated Porsche-approved tyres. You've got Cup 2s, Cup 2Rs, and PS4Ss, they're the Michelin options. Right, okay. And I've got P0, Pirelli, P0s, Trofeo, and Trofeo Rs are the three. So there's like seven tyres or six tyre options I've got to pick from. Oh, so I, you know what? I just I just went with P0s uh, only because I only changed two, the rear ones, and the front ones had saying, yeah. plenty of tread on them. And I think if... I still have the car, which I should, and they need changing again. I might go all four and go Michelin's. Everyone tells me they're much better for just day-to-day driving, winter driving, all seasons, that kind of stuff. I've been told the um, 4S's, which is what's on the car now, are better wet weather tyres than all the other options. Mm -hmm. However, they are noisy tyres. I've never driven Cup 2 R's. I've driven Cup 2's. The Cup 2's are much quieter than the 4S's, but... They're softer too, so they don't last as long, right? But apparently oh, yeah. the Pirellis are like a third of the noise out there. I'd love to hear from any listeners out there what your advice or tips are on this because my problem isn't unique. It's a, it's a common dilemma yep. for modern Porsche owners. So I'd love to hear what the uh, feedback's been with regards to different tyre sizes. To give you some perspective, my tyre wheel size is 20 inch, so you know it's big wheels and big rubber. And the backs are 295, so they're wide as well. So there is a lot of noise that comes with that much rubber on the road. There's no getting away from that. But I'd be curious to know, I think often when you, like I I was in a car the other day, had Toyo tyres, which have got historically very stiff sidewalls but soft compounds. And those things, you needed earplugs. They're that loud. Like if you were out out on the highway for two or three hours, your ears would be ringing with how noisy those tyres were in that car. That wasn't in a Porsche, by the way. It was in a Japanese car. But the, um, yeah, so I'm definitely interested in the feedback out there from listeners on which way you think I should go. So, yeah, the well, Collie Weekend was a cracker. The track is amazing. The whole vibe down there. It's about two and a half hours drive south of Perth. And. This is down the road. Mm, yeah, just got the milk. The, um, <laughs> so I left in the morning here about 10 past five. Got there, quarter to eight. It was easy, quiet, no traffic, just easy drive down there and um, nice. out in the open roads. No wildlife, 
fortunately. But coming home, because it's school holidays here at the moment, coming home from down south, back up, it was in that middle, it's the Sunday of the middle weekend of the school holidays, so often people go away for the first weekend of holidays or the second weekend of holidays. Traffic coming yep. back was just chaos. It took like four hours to get home. Oh, oh bloody hell. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing, but... And well, I've still got to wash the car. What? That's scandalous. Not washing the car. <laughs> but, but, speaking of racing, yes. What do you think about the return of the Honey Badger? I was wondering how long it would take for us to get to F1. <laughs> Look, it had, it had a feeling of inevitability about it, right? It did, but I, no, I didn't. I didn't think it would turn out the way it did. Okay, let's talk about mid-season. Yeah, no, but they're always going to get rid of Devray, right? He's yeah, he's just he not done it. And the 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 team is notorious for just wiping their ass with someone. Yeah, ironically, not him though, not Ricardo. Ricardo's gold-plated, got photos of Helmut Marco doing something he shouldn't, or something's going on there, right? But uh, no, see. No, there's a di- there's a difference there because oh, he won. he's won races um, for Red Bull, right? Yeah, he's he's won, but at the same time, so think about who they got rid of. They got rid of Gasly, Albon, Fiat, um, Hartley. Yep. Um, who was also, you know, reminded me of Freese, where he's, you know, he was he was a grown up. He wasn't a twenty year old green yep. coming in. Mm-hmm. He was like twenty eight or something, wasn't he? Um, and but. Uh, Dan Ricardo, he's he was super competitive when he drove there. He was, you know, last uh, the the one of the best late breakers, oh, clean overtaking, you know, won seven Grand Prix there. Um, and he was still super competitive against Max when he left. Yeah, he he took and, it to, and he's the only driver that's taken it to Max in the team, right? Absolutely, yeah, which is why they they and he, and he could see that the team was becoming Max's team. They were all focusing around him, even yep, though yep. they were super competitive against each other. They were, mm-hmm. you know, it was nip and tuck who was w- coming out on top. And, um, but when he left and he went to Renault, did he go yeah, to Renault? Renault? He went yeah. to Renault first, mm-hmm. didn't he? And um, obviously he didn't have the car that he thought he'd have. When he went to McLaren, it was, that car was horrific at the time. It just didn't suit him. So Norris was, Norris hadn't driven anything else. Yep. yep. So then, uh, but you know, okay, he might have lost his mojo. He might have been a bit depressed about it. He might have just gone lacked motivation, thinking this car just isn't doing it for me. Um, but I still think he's. They believe in him because he'll deliver results, and I think he will in that Alpha Tauri. And then Checo Perez next season. I mean, the guy has had. He, he's he's the the car that's the class of the field by a country mile, you know, Max comes out and he just does one run and he's on pole, but um, Checo hasn't got out of Q3 for five races in a row. That's ridiculous. And you know, when you think about the dominance, you think about the dominance of the car and when um, McLaren dominated in what? 88, was it? 88 with Prost and Senna. They won sort of, they won all the races bar one. And it was still exciting because the two drivers in those cars were challenging each other. Yeah. And, I, and I know, you know, two, like, you know, mega legends of the sport were and happened to be in the same team. Yes. But the, um, but the thing is, 
it's if you had Dan Ricardo in that car and based on you know his performances when he left Red Bull if they're anywhere near that they'll be one and two forever I I think the motivation here is Red Bull covering their bum and that is Checo this guy's breathing down your throat so pull your finger out because we really need you to because we've paid you a lot of money a lot more money than we're paying Dan Ricardo right now yep. and if you don't He's in. So it's sort of, I think it's brought a, a bit of a, uh, the whole exercise is just to get Checo to deliver. That's the, that's the only reason they're doing this, in my opinion. There's, but the thing is, money isn't much of a factor for Red Bull, apart from the fact he's brought quite a lot of sponsorship to the team and to the sport generally. Checo. Because, you know, he's, yeah, he's, there's, if you look at a few of the sponsors on the car, they're his sponsors. Yep. They've come and sponsored the team because of him. And there's a few around the tracks. I think I saw in Silverstone a couple that I thought, hang on, they're he, they're sponsored because he because of him. Of course, they're Mexican team yeah, company, and, and the South American Mexico. company. Yeah, he's. I mean, and the thing is, he's. And I really thought after first four, five races where he was three two down in number of wins between him and Max, and I thought, oh my god, he's going to take it to Max this year. But no, it just fell away like a, you know, off a cliff, his what performances was, did. What was the street circuit that he completely blew up on? Was it? They've been to... Where have they been? Have they been? They haven't been to Baku, have they? Yeah, I think, I think no. yeah, they've been to Baku already. I, th I, don't, I reckon that the, um, I, don't, I can't remember if it was Baku or not, but, you know, he prides himself, and the media talk about how great a street circuit driver he was, and he was just completely off the, off the pace. Yep. Since then, was it Riyadh? Nothing. Riyadh's a street circuit, isn't it? Uh, is it? Yeah. No. No, that's the, I thought, mm, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that One up. One of the but Middle Eastern you're ones right. I thought it was. He's a street circuit. Yeah, since yeah, he's, then, he's always he's been useless. A street yeah. Anyway. And I think... It's good to see. I love the fact Dan Ricardo's coming back. You know, he's West Aussie kid, nice guy. Everyone loves him. Yeah, he's also a marketing man's dream, isn't he? Oh, what's good? Look at the smile. Hey, find me anyone in F F one, anyone in F one, at any level happier to come to work than Dan Ricardo. I know, and 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 that's the thing. He is he's so marketable, and he has got plans i suspect to be in a red bull next year yeah i'd say so too I reckon, yeah. he definitely have that ambition he's also going alpha towery if i remember i'm going off memory you'd have to correct me if i'm wrong sonoda's coach is re is dan's old mate who used to be dan's coach isn't it you know his physical coach um i don't know because you know his mate because it was the it was the yeah, and it was the team that Darren Ricardo started in. Obviously, yeah, it was Toro no, Rosso, wasn't it? Yeah, but in... he's only been with Sonoda like last year and this year. This coach. Oh, I didn't the know physical, that. The no, physical, you know, the know um, fitness coach, and yeah, yeah, psycholo psycho psychology guy or whatever you want to call him. So it's 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 a bit of a leap. Well, it's a bit of a a leap of faith for him because he's he's stepping into the slowest car on the grid. The shittest, no, the best power unit with the shittest chassis. Yeah, so he's going to, if he scores any points, he's, but the thing is, he'll ultimately be 
judged against an odor, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know what would have been the smart money, the real smart money in this whole thing commercially? Is if Netflix, mm. who do, they need to resuscitate Drive to Survive, right? They should have come in and said, we'll yep. give you $5 million if you go and join Hass, just so we've got you and Gunter in the same team. <laughs> no, I because think those they two should guys have been was... the biggest beneficiaries of Drive to Survive when it comes to their media image, haven't they? Dan Ricardo and yep. Gunter Steiner. Oh god, yeah. And the what they probably should have done was gone to Red Bull and said, "Whatever money you want, put three cars on the grid." Hey, no, and let Gunter be um, replace Christian. Yeah. Yeah, because Christian Horner, he's, he's not the most uh, likable personality. Charismatic. Yeah, no. But look at his, look at his job. What, who can, how can he be? Yeah, true. I mean, nor is Toto, I guess. Yeah, but you, uh, Toto gets away with it because of his Germanic demeanour, right? So it's... I know, but no he does. And all I hear charisma. is... Yeah, and all I hear is, you know, Schwarzenegger... With his, his, the tone of his voice and the accent is exactly <laughs> like. Yeah, because when you're not looking at the screen and, and sometimes you hear him and you just go, what is that? Is that Schwarzenegger doing an impression of Toto Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him on. And there's, Reach have out you to Toto, will you? I'll do it. Have you seen all the memes of uh, Toto Wolf walking through the pits? No. Going, Toto Wolf on his way to McLaren to get his engine back or on his way to Aston Martin <laughs> to get the engine back? No. No, I haven't. That that, I mean, that must be a bit galling because they are obviously they're a works team. They've got a great engine. They've given it to McLaren. You know, McLaren's leap up the grid. I know it's a circuit that suits the characteristics of their car. Silverstone was, but their leap up the grid after this upgrade, uh, stunning. Because Norris was holding his own for about 10 laps but at the same time max didn't need to rush it i don't i think he could have won by more didn't max stop for lunch feels like he did but uh because the safety car came out and and i thought hamilton was going to get norris because that kind of really played into mercedes hands and they put hard tires on the mclaren i thought oh why have they done that but they they, it's just that car was just better with hard tyres, and he managed to hold off Hamilton. So, I mean, yeah, great result. I love the play. Here's my conspiracy theory. One. Norris went to Max and said, "Look, it's my backyard. You've cleaned this thing up. You're still going to beat me anyway. Can you just give me a couple of minutes of glory here? So, I, look, I just need the media profile lift, and so does the team. Look, just give me give me five minutes. Give me ten minutes. That's all I need in the limelight, and we and then do what you normally do." Yeah, but I know they I know they're friends they're supposed to be friends off the circuit, but Max is Max and he, if that had happened he would have gone go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, see this is this is I d I don't know, I reckon this is what's happened. Because when no, Max when Max decided look at it, come, when Max decided to come to work, Ashmal, the whole thing just it was a bit yeah. embarrassing, wasn't it? Oh yeah. I mean when you when you think about when last year he'd already won the championship, they'd won the constructors. And Checo was fighting to be second in the championship, and they and they'd made some agreements beforehand. And during the race, Max went, "No, fuck off! I'm not letting it happen." Well, you've also got, you know, 
Yeah, but Max and Checo aren't tight like Max and Lando. No. No, they're not. They're, like, because Checo's in, the, in theory, the same car, Checo's a bigger threat to Max. Lando's not even... It's like he's an insect on an elephant. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, he's not He's not on the ballpark, is no, he? No, so... Yeah, no worries, mate. Have, have your five minutes. I know I'm coming after you. I'm going to walk all over you, so... Yeah, yeah but for me, it's... For, for me, it's just the thought of Ricardo and the staff and being in this, on you know, having the same car and Ricardo just being as competitive as he was when he was in a Red Bull last time. Right? And and you know, obviously, he's a big personality as well. And he's he's kind of uh, and I and I just remember when um, the last time I think it was the last time when they were both in the Red Bull and they crashed into each other and. Ricardo was going for a, a corner. He came in and braked, and Verstappen piled into the back of him, yep. having Ricardo having just overtaken him. And um, and as the car spun and stopped in the gravel trap or something, you heard him on the radio going, "Was that Max?" Um, and the engineer saying, "Yes." And he just went, "He's such a baby." <laughs> <laughs> like as in he did it on purpose. And it's just you just think that would be really interesting to see. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. It will be. Um, um, and yeah, whether... look, I think there'd be pressure from F1 to Red Bull saying, we need to sort this out. Yeah. Get him in that car. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. But also, wait, hang on, one, one other thing, because Dan Ricciardo did the, he did the tyre test, didn't he? Yeah. In the Red Bull. Yeah, and would have qualified second on the front row with his time. Yeah, so so that I mean I know the tires were different and the and the mm-hmm. sort of the uh, track was different, but you know Helmut Marco and and Christian Horner obviously saw something because they made that decision that weekend. Yeah, that's no right. one knew it was happening that they're going to put him in a. They must have gone. Hang on, hang on. He's he's pretty shit hot. Let's yeah, get him back they in made, the car. They made that same sort of decision with Nick DeFries, didn't they? Yeah, that quickly, you know. Like yeah. I'm talking about when they brought him in. It was that quick. Helmut Marco said, "No, we're going to have him." Yeah, and and that's the thing they they give an opportunity, and you and it's very much sink or swim. And sometimes it's it can destroy a career, can't it? Yep. But Albon Albon has gone on to do great things. I think he's a brilliant driver. I don't like him. He's got that sports that? brat feel about him to me. Uh, then he would have thrived at Red Bull. <laughs> hey, while we're talking, you about, know, I want to talk about different motorsport for a second. Oh, well, before we move on, yep. Uh, Brimont watches support Williams. I'm just saying that. Do they? They're, they're sponsors of Williams. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, you were saying um, two things, both relating to NASCAR. Shane Van yeah. Gisbergen. The Australian wins his first uh, his debut race in NASCAR, and the Americans have the top blown off their head. They can't even believe how fast he is, and he came from 18th to win. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights. Oh wow! It was the Americans can't even believe it, and the fact that he's using his clutch on downshifts, they can't even understand why he's using a clutch at all. You know, and um, yeah, so he went over, did a race, won it, flew home to come back racing here to the V8 Supercars, which is the you know, premier touring car category here in Australia. So, well done, Shane Van Gisbergen. He did an amazing job. And, yeah, all the uh, 
social media coverage and everything relating to NASCAR is just there's scouts flying over to Australia now looking for the next best NASCAR driver. Oh, wow. You know, just because, you know, they're similar cars, you know, similar types of cars. They're big, heavy sedans, high horsepower, but, you know, far more developed yeah. in um, NASCAR. But that that aside, it was a, yeah, incredible result. But I have to say the highlight, which was shared by Todd from Stone City Outlaw, was the prayers that were given at the start of the event. Have you seen that post that Todd's put up? No, why haven't I seen that? A no. local minister has done the prayer at the start of an NASCAR event. Now, listen's out there. If you haven't seen it, Todd, I know you're listening. You need to share this wider because this is funny. It is a hoot. So get out there and uh, find it. It'll be, under, it'll be under Todd's post for sure. One of Todd's posts, Stone City Outlaw on Instagram. Check it out, Jamal. I think you will have a, you'll crack up. Anyway, I reckon that is us for a show today. Have you given the pen away yet? Sorry? Am I in the pen. one? Have you given the pen away yet? The KN pen? Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, no, I still have it. And uh, I've got some... Where are they? Uh, I've got some 75th anniversary Porsche anniversary stickers as well. Window stickers. Oh. Oh, you can't see them. Oh, yeah, look at that. I forgot to tell you. The 75th anniversary event for Porsche is next Saturday. And Friday's the opening of the new experience showroom that they've opened here in Perth. And I got a message yesterday oh, asking yeah, whether or not they can yeah. use my car to display for the weekend there. The 356. Oh, nice. Because I went to the one here because mm-hmm. they turn it into the experience center. Yep. And uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was a ton of cars, ton of people. Uh, really good. But with a, with a pen... Um, David Myers messaged me and said uh, he'll have it if nobody else wants it. Um, but yeah, I've not had any messages from anybody else. So if I don't get another one, it's a it's a Cayenne Porsche Genuine. Hey, it's a Kai Pen. Mm, yeah, it's, it just looks. I mean, it makes me think that it's just big, bulky, and unreliable. But um, <laughs> and expensive to repair. <laughs> don't forget that bit. Expensive to repair, yes. In cartridge replacements are ninety dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're likely to fail often. Um but it's yeah, for anybody who messages me in a week, if they don't, then it's going to David and along with the stickers. Oh hang on. In all fairness, it will work perfectly whilst it's still under warranty. That is true. And then after yes. that, that's when it's gonna have the really expensive and problems and failures. It's gonna, it's gonna have the problems. But also, everyone, look out for my obviously updates on uh, the garage. I think it's gonna get built. Start Monday. Start taking da- daily photos. Get the electrical done because um, without those lights and, the, and without the heat, you're not even gonna use it coming into winter. Well, there's the. It's gonna, it's gonna have the um, the capability to run cable through and up into the floor. So that's now. going to be built in now. Well, the floor, yeah, that's going to get done. So, run, it's going to be in there. Yeah. So I need uh, no. The cable doesn't have to be in there, but it's going to have the what they call it, the tail. So it's going to have five different circuits, um, holes, I guess, uh, to go in. So one one will probably be because you can't put data and electricity together in the same bit. 
Um, for some reason, you're not supposed to because oh, there'll yeah, be a, I agree. You're a problem. Not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have two of those. You know, one one for electricity, one for data, um, one for uh, water need, supply. You, you need two different electricities. You need one for lighting and one for um, power. Unless you're going to run a sub board in there. Yeah, going to board in there. Okay. Um, so we're going to run high power cable and then board it out to with the circuit breakers yeah. of the right um, power amps, and then um, going to put uh, going to have yeah. So that's three data, electricity, water, and then another one just in case I decide to put a toilet in there. So you know, I, I gotta, just I've, I've everything had, I need. I've always had this desire at some point in my life to build a serious man shed. So I can have my own urinal. It's not a urinal. I told you about what happened, you know, when I went to that show. The urinal, that was uh, traumatizing, where I pissed all over the guy <laughs> stood next to me. That doesn't happen in your own garage. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I know, but urinal, it's no, splashback. Anyway. I just have a normal one. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for your time today, Ajmel. Thanks, listeners, for listening. If you've got any commentary... Let us know, Ashmal's flat cap driver. I'm Mark and Cars. It's Mark with a C. Both of us on Instagram. Ashmal, I've got some footage I've got to put together, video for YouTube that I'm going to try and knock over in the next week or so from my Le Mans trip. So keep an eye out. Oh, nice. See if we can get it posted before our next catch up. Do it, do it, do it. Have a great day.